0: As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are Super Mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chedda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three. Twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep, to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that Total Mom Sense. Nutrition is important for everyone, but especially for growing little humans in critical development stages. From infant to toddler, tweens to teens, it is important to take a look at the food and diet we give our little ones to ensure that they're getting the nutrients they need and proper nourishment. During the pandemic, we've all become hyper aware of our health and are eager to learn ways to boost our immunity and that of our kids as we stay safe. Jackie Elnahar is a registered dietitian, attorney, and founder of Teledietitian, the premier telehealth solution for nutrition counseling that was recently acquired by Teladoc Health, and it's traded as TDOC on the New York Stock Exchange. Jackie has successfully counseled many patients in nutrition using the latest evidence-based research on diet and nutrition science. She believes in a nutrient dense approach that maximizes health boosting compounds such as phytonutrients and minimizes harmful ingredients like neurotoxins. Jackie has been featured in Today, Shape, Dr. Oz, Women's Health, Glamour, Huffington Post, Pop Sugar, and more. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Katica. Absolutely. First, I want to just hear a little bit
1: about your journey and how you got involved uh, with nutrition. Absolutely. So nutrition is definitely a huge passion side project that started. I was actually in law school and I had a friend dealing with lupus and she was getting a lot of symptoms that weren't getting helped by the medication she was on. So I did a lot of evidence-based nutrition research and we're able to mediate her symptoms with diet and lifestyle changes. So I was really interested in how nutrition can change health and change lives, especially since I saw it firsthand. So that's where I got into nutrition. I uh, during law school, I uh, started uh, the registered dietitian program, became a registered dietitian, worked clinically in different hospital settings, um, and then started a telenutrition platform since it was a great way to give people access and convenience to telehealth, which now we see with COVID-19 since more people are using telehealth. So telenutrition uh, was just that having people see a dietitian in a more convenient way. um, So they definitely are able to uh, get medical nutrition therapy.
0: That's brilliant. And it's incredible that you came up with this concept kind of ahead of the curve um, now that we need it more than ever. Um, Due to the pandemic, doctors have pivoted to telehealth calls and videos um, over in-clinic visits. How has this affected
1: your nutrition practice? You know, like you said, ahead of the curve, I mean, telehealth was definitely around, um, but it wasn't getting adopted. And uh, many people were wondering, you know, what were the obstacles? And now with the pandemic, people don't want to risk exposure. Um, So hence the telehealth boomed. In the past several months. So with telenutrition, it changed dramatically since it's hard enough to see your doctor during the pandemic. People are definitely not risking to go to an in-person dietitian visit, but they still would like to see their dietitian, especially since the COVID-19 is affecting people with underlying conditions mostly. Um, And these underlying conditions can be very much diet mediated, such as diabetes, heart disease, and uh, high blood pressure. So, since there is that connection between medical nutrition therapy and COVID nineteen, we're seeing a lot more telenutrition visits uh, more than ever.
0: Yes, absolutely. Do you think that telehealth is as effective in providing guidance and the you know prescriptions necessary uh, versus doing
1: an in person visit? That's a great question, Ganika. So, the quality of care shown in many studies with telehealth, have been shown to be the same, uh, if not better. So we did a telenutrition-specific pilot at New York Presbyterian, and it showed that patients were more likely to see the registered dietitian, more likely to keep their appointment, and more likely to have a second follow-up appointment. So it really increased the efficacy of the telehealth visit as far as quality of care, and also a better engagement Another interesting thing is there were studies at Veterans Affairs that also showed the efficacy of telehealth. So the quality of care question has really been shown that it does work, hence insurance companies are covering it more as reimbursement.
0: Right. Okay. That's great. Very good to know. Now I want to just delve into how immunity relates to our health. What is the relationship
1: between our health status and our level of immunity, Yeah, I mean, the basic bottom line is being in good health helps your body fight infections. So how do we have good health? Well, particularly with COVID-19, we know that pre-existing health conditions affected people to fight the infection. The CDC reported that 90% of Americans that were hospitalized did have an underlying health condition. These include high blood pressure, obesity, obesity. Diabetes and heart disease, and I want to point out here that you know many of us say, oh, you know, we don't have a health condition. Ten percent of the population does have diabetes, but thirty-five percent has this condition called pre-diabetes, um, and that's where blood sugars are higher than normal, and that cumulatively does lead to diabetes. 35% is a high number. It just showcases that how much Americans are eating more refined carbs, more sugar than we need to be eating. Um, And that's putting us at risk for developing type 2 diabetes as well as impaired immunity. But that's really essentially how the health status and immunity work together. By being healthy, you're able to fight infections and COVID-19 definitely showed that to us.
0: Okay, great. So if we were to cut right to the chase, how do we strengthen our immunity through our diet?
1: And That's like the million dollar question right now. <laughs> and it's so funny because it's actually not a linear line. There's not one thing that you could do that makes your immunity 100% better because the immune system is actually a system. So it's not one entity that's being affected. So when you look at a system, the word we want to think of is balance. Our immunity system needs balance and harmony to function properly. Uh, What we call it is a state of homeostasis. So our body functions well when our cells and organs are all getting the nutrients they need and everything is in balance. There's still a lot more research to be done on the interconnectedness of the immune system. But what we do know is that an abnormal immune response usually comes from a place of being out of balance. And that's the overactive autoimmune response that we're seeing with Kawasaki, which is unfortunately affecting kids. That's really an abnormal immune response. We don't know the exact cause, but it looks to stem from some sort of lack of balance. So when we look at the immune system, we want to think balance and harmony. And when you look at that, there's so many factors that can affect that. Nutrition is certainly one of them. When you look at nutrition, micronutrient imbalances can cause impaired immunity, lack of phytonutrients, which is notorious in the American diet that we don't eat enough vegetables. Um, And then also the immune system that we have in our gut, Uh, 60% of the immune cells are literally in our gut. Mm -hmm. That balance can also affect our immune uh, mechanisms as well. Okay. Um, could you explain what phytonutrients and micronutrients are? So micronutrients essentially means vitamins and minerals. And it's called micronutrients because you need them in micro amounts. Uh, this is unlike macronutrients, which are your carbs, protein, and fats that you need in large amounts, and hence the term macro. Uh, so micronutrients, although you don't need them immensely as far as amount, uh, they're very important for different functions of the body. So certainly needed for getting the recommended daily allowance for those micro amounts for vitamins and minerals. Phytonutrients are different. Um, they don't have a recommended daily allowance for phytonutrients by the USDA, but what they are, they are... Are compounds found in plant-based foods like fruits and vegetables that have been shown to modulate the body's response. Uh, So, for example, they can upregulate your immune system so that it functions better. Uh, It can help with your digestion, it helps with skin, Um, it helps with hair. Um, It's phytonutrients have been shown to improve health overall. And the USDA has recommended a diet rich in phytonutrients because it has health boosting compounds, uh, which we're still learning about. We're really at the tip of the iceberg as far as research and understanding how phytonutrients help our bodies.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense. How does the body break, you know, these
1: nutrients down uh, when they come from food? So that's the metabolism that we, the nutrient absorption of foods. So micronutrients. And phytonutrients and macronutrients um, all go through the metabolism. When we talked about that balance again, the better balanced our body is, the more nutrient absorption you're going to get. So that's gut balance. That's getting the right ratios of foods. So for example, vitamin C helps with the digestion of iron. If you're getting zinc, you also need to get a certain amount of copper. So this type of balanced nutrient-dense eating allows your body to get everything it needs absorbs what it needs and then functions properly. Okay, that makes sense. Now tell us about
0: supplements and you know which ones we should be using. Yeah, for
1: supplements, I highly recommend supplements, especially when you have little ones at home. It's hard to get them to eat foods that are nutrient dense. It's like a a wish, like a unicorn. Like it's so difficult, especially consistent consistently every day. So for supplements, I recommend a whole food uh, multivitamin. Um, They have Mm that and they have it for adults. Uh, Whole food meaning that it's vitamins and minerals derived from food sources rather than synthetically made. Those whole food forms are more bioavailable and they don't affect the liver like uh, synthetic ones do. Along with a whole food multivitamin, I recommend a probiotic. I recommend at least three strains and the amount 10 billion plus of the units So yes, you want to get at least that to have efficacy. And then also you want to look for acid-resistant capsules if you can. So those acid-resistant capsules help it survive the stomach acid so that that bacteria gets to the intestine uh, where you get the most benefit. And I also recommend omega-3, super good for brain health, and it functions as an anti-inflammatory, especially against omega-6s, which is something we get a lot in our diet. Again, it's that balance. You want to have omega-3 balancing out so that you're getting anti-inflammatory effect of the omega-3 versus the pro-inflammatory of omega-6. But the omega-3 in supplement is important because now with the fish in our oceans, it's hard to know the polluted waters, the farm raising, you know, the different countries of origin, uh, the mercury levels. So I do suggest one to two servings of fish, um, particularly wild salmon, but then to get a lot of your omega-3 from a supplement um, since the supplement has been purified from mercury sources. And then um, for supplements, as we all know, they're not regulated, unfortunately, by the FDA, which is kind of scary because CVS actually tested 1,400 products and 7% did not meet the safety or accuracy standard. Oh, my goodness! Um, yeah, so seven percent is really high. So mm-hmm. um, I always recommend to check your supplement or when you go to shop to check uh, lab door or NSF or USP or consumer labs to check the supplement, to see the efficacy of it, to see the safety, the accuracy. Luckily, there are these third-party sites that do check um, and to utilize those. Okay. So we will definitely link those in the show notes. And is there
0: a brand that you think is kind of a gold standard superior compared to others?
1: Not in particular. I mean, there's different, like for uh, Omega-3, they have better brands than for a multivitamin. There's really nice niche specialties. Like you have the Nordic natural for omega-3, um, garden of life is good for probiotics. There's a, a handful of ones that you look at the brand integrity and you look at the mission of the company and then you check it on these third party sites for accuracy and safety standards. Uh, but that's overall what I would be looking at just, you know, the company who's behind the company too, since I find the mission ones that really believe in what they're providing and the ingredients. Yeah. And we've heard a lot of talk about
0: elderberry and zinc. Does that help immunity in any way, um, especially when it comes to our kids?
1: Yeah. So they have delicious elderberry gummies, um, <laughs> which mm-hmm. uh, you can give to your kids. Um, so these are in the category of immune boosting foods that we have on the market. So zinc is important because it helps the immune system work as a cofactor. And it helps wounds heal. So that's why it's usually in these immune uh, system focused vitamin supplements. Mm -hmm. Um, And elderberry has been shown to help reduce colds, um, help reduce the duration of a virus or illness. Um, So that's also added. Um, And it's included because it has a lot of clinical studies backing it. Other things that you'll see in immune boosting supplements is definitely vitamin C role in the immune system is very clear in how it helps T-cells, B-cells, gene-regulating effects, and then it helps uh, prevent people getting an infection in the first place by helping the innate immune system, and then it also helps the adaptive immune system. And I just want to explain that quickly because the innate immune system is your first layer of defense against a pathogen or any virus or bacteria that comes to you, and you want that to pretty much hit the ball out of the park. When it comes to pathogens, because you don't want an overactive immune response, you don't want a cytokine storm, which is essentially what's happening in these more complicated COVID-19 cases. Mm -hmm. You want your body's innate immune system to remove any low bearing fruit like COVID-19, which is not, you know, a very dangerous virus in itself. It's really when the immune system doesn't know how to handle it, that is really causing the, uh, not only respiratory complications, but the cardiovascular complications that we're seeing with COVID-19, including the inflammation of the arteries, which is happening in the Kawasaki cases. But for vitamin C, it is a water-soluble vitamin, so you can take it in a higher dose than what's recommended. So the RDA is 90 milligrams, but you could take two, you know, up to 1,000 milligrams for higher doses of vitamin C for better immunity. Other huge one that is already been in studies is the vitamin D component. They looked at countries that have lower levels of vitamin D versus higher levels of vitamin D and those with higher levels that didn't have as many COVID-19 complexities as far as cases. So that's still being researched. It's still obviously early, but the death rates were correlated to vitamin D deficiency, and that's really important. So they're saying that vitamin D helps the immune system response and prevents that cytokine storm that affects people's survival.
0: Yes, okay. Now,
1: supplements are always going
0: to be secondary to, you know, actual food. And I feel that that's probably because of the level of absorption and the metabolic process
1: around it, right? Yep. So uh, to give an example of that, there's something in broccoli called sulfurine that's so immensely healthy. Um, It's been shown to help reverse prostate cancer. It's a phytonutrient, And it's funny because a pharmaceutical company was looking to just take the sulfurine out, make it into a little pill and (laughs) make tons of money. But what they found was that it works best in the broccoli itself because there's enzymes in the broccoli that help break it down, that help it get absorbed. So, you know, it just shows you that eating the whole food form has a whole system behind how the nutrients get absorbed, whether it's enzymes or the way the amount is, the breakdown of the nutrients, certainly whole food forms and nutrient dense diet is certainly superior.
0: Yes, yeah, it makes sense. Um, not to sound too colloquial, but like with vitamins and supplements, do we just like you know absorb what
1: we need and pee the rest out? Yeah, that's a great question. So the water soluble ones you do, and then the fat soluble ones like D, E, K, um, those can stay in the body um, in fat stores. Okay, should you be
0: Taking supplements when you don't know if you're deficient or not, because this is something that, you know, as consumers, we're not testing. We're not, like, able to see um, lab results of a blood test to say, okay, I'm deficient here, I'm deficient there. And still, so many people are, like, you know, popping supplements um, because they feel that it's it's, uh, enhancing their immunity or doing something. And that's a great question.
1: I think it's, you know, the practical way of doing it is I always advise people to just get a one daily vitamin, the one daily ones are not huge dosages of any particular vitamin or mineral, so you're not uh, taking too much of an amount that you could have, you know, adverse effects, but you're meeting the minimal amount. So for right. like zinc and magnesium and iron, a lot of premenopausal women are lower in iron than they should be, so taking, you know, a supplement can help you know, avoid any particular issue, especially because we're not getting blood tests every day. As moms, we're barely, you know, able to uh, brush do our her- own appointments. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just the kids at their well visits. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, d- one daily uh, certainly helps, especially as women, you know, we need vitamin B6 for energy. Magnesium uh, helps with relaxing. Iron, I mentioned, you know, 15% of women, 15 to 20% of women pre-impossal be deficient in iron, right? So you want to make sure that you're getting that because that could lead to fatigue. Um, Vitamin D, extremely important for women. Uh, You want to get a supplement of that since you need about 600, 800 IU. And you're not going to really get that much in your diet um, and just to give you an example, you know, a cup of milk, which is fortified with vitamin D has about a hundred IU. Um, and then you have to look at other foods like mushrooms and sardines, foods that you're not going to eat every day to fill that void. So I highly recommend that, which will come in a multivitamin form or you could get it um, separately at a thousand IU vitamin D. Okay.
0: Do you feel that kids should be taking a similar multivitamin or just a vitamin D kind of dropper or gummy? Like what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you ask my kids, they think everything should be in gummy form. Um, (laughs) Like it's crazy. I mean, I think a multivitamin for kids is in my opinion, a must because their diets are so inconsistent. Some days they just eat, you know, one grilled cheese the whole day and snacks and, you know, it's just they are so finicky because I have a one and a half and three. So they're mm-hmm. just very uh, finicky ages. And, you know, I advise that to all moms that you just want to make sure your kids are getting the baseline, which a good multivitamin or good gummy multivitamin would provide. It's just the baseline. It's not anything extra, but certainly um, meeting the minimal requirements for their growing bodies. Um, and then for extras, you could always give omega-3 a probiotic. I give my kids vitamin D because of the immune issues right now with you know COVID nineteen. But you know, that's something that is always helpful for immunity and doesn't have any adverse effects unless you take it in a huge amount. So as long as you're within okay amounts that you're not having adverse effects, I highly recommend using a supplement to exactly supplement your diet. I mean, dense foods is definitely a must because as you mentioned, the absorption you know, the totality of having a nutrient-dense diet is not replaceable by any pill whatsoever. Um, It's just that you have, you know, this kind of um, helpful baseline that you're meeting and then you're adding nutrient-dense foods to your diet. Um, As far as like, you know, feeding the family, you know, it's really what can you add that's nutrient-dense to foods uh, that you're making, the meals that you're making, where can I add more vegetables, where can I add more phytonutrients? That's really, you know, the way to think about it, adding more healthy foods. Right. Right. That makes sense. What age should we you know, get them on those gummies? Yeah. So gummies, as long as it's not a choking hazard, um, you could start it around age three, um, make sure that your child is able to chew it. And then before that, you could use droppers for any particular supplement. Vitamin D is used for infants and toddlers, especially if the mom was breastfeeding at the time since uh, vitamin D is needed for breastfeeding moms, but essentially um, anything else uh, after three, certainly utilize a gummy or a chewable uh, multivitamin, which is just as fine. Okay, great.
0: Now let's talk about the actual foods because um, like you mentioned, there is, you know, really no substitute or replacement for that. We can supplement, but truly all of the nutrition um, that your body needs is in the healthy food. So what are some immunity boosting foods that we should be buying in our produce section?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So for immunity boosting foods, um, we're looking at things that have some evidence based behind them. So we want to find things that have that vitamin C, vitamin D, helpful phytonutrients, And the big list I have here is you want to have garlic, mushrooms, and broccoli, broccoli rob, kiwi, Mm -hmm. ginger, orange, lemons, green tea, and onions. And I could go through the specifics of each, but essentially mushrooms have that vitamin D, broccoli have phytonutrients and vitamin C, a kiwi has a vitamin C, as well as oranges and lemons. Green tea has that EGCG, which Mm -hmm. is that important phytonutrient that also helps with that innate immune response. So your body can fight things quicker, reduce duration of illnesses, and then onions have that quercetin in them. And that's really important for the innate immune response, but that actually has a study behind it with SARS. So there was a study with SARS, which is a also type of a coronavirus that quercetin was able to reduce the ability of the virus to get into cells So that uh, was a clinical study. So certainly adding onions, Um, other foods that have quercetin in them are the skin of red grapes and apple. What are some of the foods we should steer clear of and avoid right now? Sure, so I have this broken down in two ways in my mind. So for kids, you certainly wanna steer away from foods that again can affect the balance of their growing bodies. So there's foods like neurotoxins, that pass through the blood-brain barrier. And one of the worst culprits of that is mercury. So I generally advise parents not to give their kids tuna more than once a month. Mm. Even with that, the Mercury Policy Project advises only the light tuna, not the albacore tuna. There's also MSG that is harmful and what's interesting is you'll find this a lot in hydrolyzed vegetable protein as we're all trying to eat more plant-based. We also have to be careful that you know some plant-based stuff might not be as healthy as they look. So hydrolyzed vegetable protein won't say it has MSG on the label, but it does have MSG. Mm-hmm. Another huge problem I'm seeing a lot today is aluminum. Um, that does accumulate in the brain and it's been associated with Alzheimer's. So many people unfortunately cook with aluminum cookware or have the food directly touching aluminum foil, it's just, you know, part of life. Uh, You know, my mom's always cooked with aluminum foil, although I turned out okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, um, you know, it's something to be mindful of if you can choose a ceramic cookware or something that doesn't have that neurotoxin effect, um, especially when you're cooking with high heat. And then uh, pesticides, Uh, pesticides have been shown to affect immunity. They affect kids' brains. I'm sure many of you have heard of the uh, Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 from the Environmental Working Group. It's just an excellent list that's so helpful for eating healthier on a budget. You could pick which ones to purchase organic um, and avoiding the Dirty Dozen when possible. Make sure your water is clean. You know, the lead in the water is also a potential, you know, it can affect the nutrition of the child and then the BBA in plastic and food packaging. And another thing I want to mention with kids, a lot of mom friends I know just recently, they like always have apple juice in their pocket purses. and juice, you know, in general is not advised. The Academy of Pediatrics recommends no more than four ounces of juice, if at all. But if you're doing apple juice, um, 70% of the apple juice that comes into our country comes from China. Mm. And don't have arsenic in it. So I try and steer clear of apple juice Altogether for kids um, and juice in general because juice has sugar and um, sugar has been shown to impair immunity and causes higher inflammation markers. Wow, that's really enlightening. I had no idea, and um, we we don't really give
0: much juice at home. Um, just you know, like homestyle orange juice. Is that okay?
1: Yeah. Orange juice is excellent. And, and I, I
0: dilute that too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, you know, kids are still going to be kids. You know, I agree with diluting it. And another, you know, quick trick is actually making them into popsicles. You dilute the orange juice and put it in a popsicle mold, especially now it's summer coming. Yeah. kids yeah, get hydration and a popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And of course we're avoiding the sugary treats, right? Of course. Yep. You know, when we talk about sugary treats. You know, we're talking about refined carbs. You're talking about high sugar, pot potential high fats, um, and a lot of these other sugary treats, like Fruit Loops to Nutra Green Green uh, cereal bars, actually have what we call the rainbow of risk. This is what we call the yellow five, red forty, um, and a handful of other dyes that mm. are in kids. You know what I call. Pretty snacks, you know. We yes. don't want, you know, these pretty, uh, fun snacks that have these potential dyes in them because they are associated with neurobehavioral issues, um, whether it's hyperactivity or even greater than that. So those items you want to avoid, and they are by law they have to be on the label. So you could look for the label and avoid those.
0: Right, and then of course the ones that have high fructose corn syrup. Right, yeah. so many, you know, if it's like the baked goods and cookies, and they have, you know, the high fructose corn syrup in them, and you know, we are we're pretty mindful of this at home, but cereal as well. Um, mm-hmm. If your cereal does not say organic on the box, um, it uh, most probably contains Roundup.
1: Yeah, the most of the oatmeal in this country has. Roundup in it, <laughs> mm-hmm. unless it's uh, organic and organic, you know, we're hoping that the regulations are being followed to a T with, uh, the labeling and everything, mm-hmm. uh, but you're absolutely right. The oatmeal and Roundup and then the grains that they're using, um, and goes yeah. itself says it's, you know, genetically modified product. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, I um, have been so kind of discerning
0: of this because even like I shop at Trader Joe's and and Whole Foods and there are cereals that don't say organic on them. But just because you're buying them from a store that typically sells organic products, um, if it doesn't say it on the box, then it has it, you know? And so Mm -hmm. you just, um, you really have to be
1: A discerning consumer and read those labels. Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing with cereals is when they're gluten free, they just replace it with corn
0: and corn
1: is just a high glycemic generally also is um, pesticide laden crop that you don't want in your cereal by any means. So it's, it's very clever marketing and, you know, moms just have to take that second to read the labels to be a little bit more discerning. You're absolutely Right. right. Right, exactly.
0: Do you think kids should follow a diet like their parents if they're doing keto or paleo
1: or are vegan? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, So you want to prevent any nutritional deficiencies. So with vegetarian, vegan, you have that potential vitamin B6 issue, vitamin B12, issues with iron, since iron is more bioavailable from animal sources. Uh, So you want to prevent those issues in their growing bodies. The other diets that really harbor on this low carb theme like keto and paleo, your child has a lot of energy right now and carbohydrates are still the premier source of energy for the body. Uh, So you don't want to deprive them of having uh, energy readily available in glycogen glycogen sores that are for their muscles to use. So you don't want to have that risk. Um, And it could be very dangerous if their blood sugar is too low. It could Affect their brain and keto, so ketosis is for children um, could be mm. gene. So, you know, it's dangerous for adults as well, especially if you have a pre existing health condition. But, you know, the ideal solution, again, is that nutrient dense approach where you're getting the baseline of everything you need and then adding all these great nutrients from phytonutrients, from vegetables, and avoiding sugar. You know, sugar is really a toxin itself, uh, the effects it has on the body, impairing immunity. Um, the inflammatory biomarkers that it creates uh, in the body. So by reducing sugar, whether in the form of, you know, regular white sugar or the sugar that's created when you eat refined carbs, you want to minimize that. But you certainly want to include healthy carb sources from whole grains and then from healthy starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes. But that sugar and the refined carbs, high glycemic, that turns into sugar in the body quickly, that's just you know, nutrition one-on-one. We just want to avoid those. Um, and that's really the best approach for kids. Nothing too extreme, making sure that they're getting all the baseline nutrients for growing and then doing your best. You know, the Academy of Pediatrics recommends eat five, you know, eat at least five servings of fruits and vegetables for kids. You know, if you could, Mm -hmm. you know, numerically visualize that in a day, you know, maybe I could add tomatoes with their eggs in the morning, um, maybe, adding zucchini to our meatballs, getting to that number is helpful. Yes. Yes. And
0: you touched on um, the dirty dozen and the clean 15, you know, that's something that again, each house household should be knowledgeable on and especially now, right. When we're disinfecting everything. And so, you know, even with the clean 15, you want to still use a, like, um, fruit and veggie wash, right. To make sure you're, you're all good. Would you agree?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been shown to help reduce, um, pesticide residue that does uh, stay on the fruit and vegetable. Um, and you want to use it now for two reasons because someone's handling the fruit and vegetable, So you want to, you know, ensure the most clean, uh, surface, um, on the fruit and vegetable. And then also the pesticides are meant to be water resistant by nature. So, um, having a fruit vegetable wash that helps break it down a little bit, so you can rinse it off, is helpful.
0: Yes, exactly. So you are quite the home chef, and I would love to be part of your family because I know <laughs> that I would be eating this delicious food that's nourishing too. Mm-hmm. So, um, could you tell us a little bit about? Um, the meals that you like preparing for your husband and kids.
1: Absolutely. And my home is your home, Ganika. So <laughs> anytime after social distancing, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, it is tricky cooking when you have toddlers because they don't have a sophisticated palate as, you know, my husband does. You know, you're trying to make food that's tasty, yet also kid-friendly. So I also taught my kids to eat salad with their food. And it's not like a traditional lettuce type salad. One of the things I love making for them and they enjoy eating is a bean salad. So bean has the fibers, has phytonutrients, has protein, olive oil, salt, pepper, uh, with different vegetables I have at hand. I'll cut the tomatoes and cucumbers into bite-sized pieces and make it more of a kid friendly salad. So that's a staple that we have at dinner. And then a lot of things my kids like um, homemade veggie uh, burgers that I cut into shapes like dinosaurs. The most popular is the dinosaur shape. And I literally think my kids took the other shapes. And I don't know what they did with them because <laughs> <laughs> they thought they were toys. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'll use black bean uh, burger recipe and just put them into a dinosaur mold. And another thing my kids love that is super easy for any mom to make, I call it spinach pie cupcakes. But um, you could take any puff pastry or even a pie crust. You cut it into squares and you put it in a muffin tin, and then I fill it with a spinach, feta, salt, and pepper, and I just put it in the oven, 350 degrees, for 20 minutes. My kids love spinach, but that's about the only healthy thing they like. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I mean, you can hide it in there. You know, we we eat a lot of lentil or dal. Um, oh yeah, in, yeah, in our Indian cuisine and. You know, dal can be just a very simple re- recipe of lentils with uh, tomato and onions, but I, I throw the spinach
1: in there. I just hide it in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny about this uh, cupcakes when it comes out of a muffin tin. It's easy. It's handheld, so it's easy for them to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you know, you could add any type of vegetable that you have. Um, right. Now, with grocery stores being more difficult to get to. We're more creative in the kitchen, so like if you have zucchini, you'll, you'll cut the zucchini, you know? Yeah. Um, and then making veggie fries is also really popular at our house. Uh, zucchini I use a lot, or carrots. Um, you cut them into french fry strips, um, you put them into a flour egg mixture, and then coat them with parmesan cheese, salt mm-hmm. and pepper, mm-hmm. uh, bake yes. for three minutes. Essentially, you know, with kids, you want to think of something that is easy for them to eat, not a choking hazard, and definitely nutrient dense. So like you said anywhere you can sneak vegetables we also do a lot of smoothies now and then when whatever smoothie they don't finish i just put into a popsicle mold and then it becomes a popsicle a couple of hours later that's um, smart yeah. wow yeah just trying your you know your best to add any type of nutrient dense phytonutrients for kids uh super helpful now with uh, especially you know If they do go back to school this fall, you'll want to have them eat as healthy as possible. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we're all moms trying, right? And um, (laughs) another thing uh, I find kids like is a homemade trail mix. I tried to find one on the market that I liked, but they either were way too sweet or didn't have the right ratios of macronutrients as far as healthy fats and protein and carbs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can make one at home with like a soft nut like cashews, add some chocolate chips, some cranberries and, um, it's fun for kids to munch on as well. Yes. That's a good one. And again, the store-bought
0: ones have, um, M&Ms in them oftentimes and M&Ms have the, you know, the yellow five and the red, you know, coloring additives in them. So you got to avoid
1: M&Ms in any case. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, when I feed my kids healthy, I feel like, okay, you know, and it's not, uh, always perfect. Like literally some days, You're just like okay, you know, you can eat the damn French fries. It's fine. Yeah, you know, you know, my kids, of course, are going to eat an ice cream cone, and uh, you know, sometimes they'll have potato chips. This is, you know, we're all human, but we do our best, and you know, I feel great when I'm able to get them to eat something healthy. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't. I feel great as well because you know they're doing just fine. They're going to be okay. (laughs) You know. Yes. Yes. Um, Exactly. It's important to just you know and be happy that uh, we're able to. You know, put food on the table and enjoy it all together as a family. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: That's the bottom line. And I think that the more you put in front of them, the more you introduce to them, sure, they're going to be, you know, a little picky at first, but you're just broadening their palate. And eventually, you know, they'll pick it up. Um, I did read, in, uh, there was an author of a kid's uh, cookbook that said that you should put a foreign food in front of them like 50 times before you get a hit and it's fine. You know? <laughs> so just put it in the corner of the plate. And even if they just um, are disgusted and don't want to try it, you know, maybe by the 35th time that they've seen it, they're like, all right, I'll take a bite. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah, I think um, parents, we urge you to just push the envelope a little bit, and you know, it, it you'll be happier for it that you've introduced foods that you want them to enjoy when they're older, too. Yeah. Okay. So now tell us about a mom sense moment you had, a moment in time where you just trusted that superpower, gut
1: instinct of yours. Elder son Peter loved going to school, his nursery school, his first year. Um, so I was really happy about that. His second year, he gave me such pushback. He just didn't want to go. And I was like, that's strange. You loved your first year. And it's literally you know, the same curriculum for the most part and same kids. So I volunteered to read at his class. And I, what I found was interesting. I just found the teacher to not be as engaged with the students. And I just found it wasn't as nurturing of an environment. So Mm. uh, yeah, it was a good moment to realize, you know what, maybe he's just not being challenged enough here or he doesn't feel as supported uh, since teachers, you know, really make the classroom. So um, I switched him out and uh, ended up being a positive change. Now, you know, he's happy to go to school and not not now, now, but before. And it was just really helpful because I wanted to make sure he was happy going to school. It's such a huge part of, you know, his future life.
0: Right. Wow. That's great. I'm so glad you, you know, went with your instinct on that one and you did your own little reconnaissance by going to the school.
1: Yeah, sneaky mom.
0: Have to be always, always yeah. We're so creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. It, it comes down to that sometimes. Let's not forget our quote of the day.
1: Is there a quote that you live by? Yes, so there's so many, but one of them is be willing to fail, but unwilling to quit. Simple quote, but you know, failure is a part of the path to success, but quitting is not. Yes, yes, that's a great one. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products
0: we love. Is there a product that you're loving right now that you want to share with everybody?
1: Yeah. So I talked about how sugar is a big no-no. They do have fruit boxes, juice boxes that are actually not juice. They're just flavored water Um, and they're amazing. A Hint makes one and a couple of other brands, but it's just flavored water and it's great to have on the go when you don't want to have a juice box with sugar. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And mine is kind of taking from what you
0: mentioned during our chat, but it is cutouts the animal or um, shape cutouts that you can use when you're making all sorts of foods at home uh, like the dinosaur ones you mentioned
1: oh yeah they're great yeah where can my audience find you Definitely. So uh, Instagram, Jackie Almahar, Twitter, Jackie Arnett, RD, my website. I'm going to be posting more recipes since I've been cooking a storm in quarantine. Just haven't had a time to post, but a lot more recipes will be posted. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much, Jackie, for taking the time out and educating us on how nutrition is where our health and our immunity begins.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Ganika for having me and stay well. I hope you
0: learned some interesting facts on childhood nutrition from Jackie Al nahar and now have a grocery list of immunity-boosting foods, which are especially helpful during the COVID outbreak and otherwise for growing kids. As always, follow me on Instagram at Kanika Gupta to check out other episodes of That's Total Mom Sense, and leave a review wherever you listen—Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor—I'm everywhere. Visit my website to learn more—that's TotalMomSense.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time.
1: That's Total Mom Sense.